gets colder My eyes go thin as I get older Piece in pieces, bloody and bruised I feel so helpless and confused Cause I hear screaming on the left, yelling on the right I'm sitting in the middle trying to live my life Welcome to Focus on the Facts. This is your host, Patricia Negron, here raising a public awareness of rampant government criminality across the globe and toward a healthy system of self-governance where the needs of the people, not an exclusive few, are the priorities. In keeping with that theme, I'd like to introduce today's guest, Deb Delapiana, a former marketing executive and founder of Become Ungovernable, who believes that participation in U.S. institutional systems is a waste of time, making it counterproductive to producing the systemic change needed for us to survive as a species. Deb, welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. Good to talk to you again. Deb, I'd like to start with a discussion of the system we currently have in place um, and this false notion of its function as a representation, a representative instrument of we the people when, in fact, the model on which it's based, which is the Roman Republic, was actually never designed <laughs> to be a democratic system. And, you Correct. know, the propaganda is thick. It's, you know, we grow up with this indoctrination around this system, which was established, in fact, by a group of wealthy merchant families to overthrow a king and gain more influence in the, um, you know, decision-making and use of Roman wealth in terms of furthering their own personal agendas. So, um, you know, be, and, and, and along those lines, you know, and this is something you address, you know, on your website, you know, Chris Hedges says, you know, he, he's very specific about the fact that these are systems that need to be overthrown. <laughs> There's no Correct. fixing this. So, Correct. Um, there is no fixing that, it. And, and it's even worse that people are still believing um, that one party is different from the other and better than the other. Um, I would have thought after 2016, people kind of would have gotten the clue that <laughs> maybe this isn't so, but I still see that, uh, that craziness out there. Um, you know, right. the system as it's constructed is exactly as you said, and basically every president, you know, as I say today, this is, you know, 45 felons with a holiday. Um, They have done nothing but ingratiate themselves to the point where we are a totally corporate-owned country now. Every single penny that's poured into our elections ensures that nothing is going to change, no matter who they put at the top of the pile. Um, Right, and 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 you you know going beyond the electoral system you know you see the justice system being weaponized in the same way where you know it is truly only the journalists whistleblowers and activists who wind up in prison they you know the act of protesting in more than a dozen states i think it's half almost half of the states now have criminalized 
protest. Yes. Specifically, yeah. well, and it's, this it's is a crazy. around the pipelines. Right. Go ahead. And, and you know, I, I'm, I'm amazed that people don't understand the reason that whistleblowers and, uh, you know, publishers like Julian Assange exist and are necessary is because we don't have a media. That as well has been totally corporate-owned and co-opted, and you can thank the Democrats in, in large part for that. So both parties here have had their hand in selling us out, and that's exactly where we are. Any participation in this nonsense that's called an election is just a waste of time. You know, they already know the outcome. Um, well, and I would argue that it, it, it goes further than that, Deb, in terms of not only being a waste of time, it's a uh, legitimization of a corrupt system, a wholly corrupt system, and that your, partic- your participation validates it for, as something it is not at all. And so, effectively, it's, it's counterproductive to continue participating Right. How do you it's, feel about it's, it's basically, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, basically, you're putting the perpetrators back into power. You know, it's, you know, we have people in prison like Julian Assange and Chelsea Manning. Um, I'm reading about this, this activist now, Jeremy Hammond, um, who was supposed to be out of prison um, and is now being basically what we call Chelsea Manning to talk about Assange. This whole thing is going right down the pipeline. They're shutting down all all avenues of dissent. Um, and, you know, anytime you decide to go into a voting booth, you are basically telling the people that are running that you are okay with what they are doing. So it's exactly. hard for me to feel, it's hard for me to feel any empathy for anybody on Facebook who was whining about Bernie Sanders being cheated. Bernie Sanders is part of this game. And the people that are being cheated and the people that are being screwed are the American people. And when you participate in that, you're, you're screwing over your own citizenry. You're basically, you know, selling out your own people, in my opinion. Um, well, you know, and, it's, uh, you know, speaking to that, um, Deb, it's, it's really especially interesting to me, you know, when you take a step back and examine the electorate, you know, um, I don't know what percentage of the uh, voting eligible population is actually registered to vote, but even right. among those who are registered to vote, um, you know, more than half identify as unaffiliated with either the Democratic or Republican Party, and many of those who do register as either Republican or Democrat do so only because that is required in order to be able to vote in one of the primaries. Correct. And so while they don't, you know, they want they believe that they should be able to vote and that their vote matters, they can only choose one or the other um, as a possibility. That 50-plus percent of the registered voting population gets right. no candidate. And that in and of itself tells you that, you know, you're talking about a special interest group 
that is deciding the candidates. This is a tiny percentage, even if you just break it down in that way. And then you have, uh, you know, objectively speaking, this is not our opinion. Harvard published a study, a 2015 study. It's the Electoral Integrity Project in which over 50 Western democracies were ranked for their electoral integrity. And not only did the U.S. not come in the top 10, it did not even come in the top half. It came in very last. The very last among more than 50 that were ranked. I mean, you know, any way you look at this, it is wholly um, corrupt. And then you have the super delegates. I mean, this this kind of comes back to, you know, one of the things that I was just thinking about too was the the whole thing. You have this new generation that's been through the whole indoctrination. They weren't really, you know, they were fourteen when the um, two thousand sixteen election was around, so they weren't necessarily aware of any of what's going on, and so they're just seeing it for the first time with their own eyes. So. Right. Um, you know, how much of that are you seeing as you're, um, let's talk specifically about your campaign and what you're doing and sort of what you're seeing in your work versus, and contrast that with what's actually happening um, with this primary cycle this time you around. You know, I, I see a few things going on that um, that struck me. Uh, one, I have... Um, kids in that that age bracket i have a 23 year old and i have a an 18 year old about to be 19 years old and um i'm not sure that either one of them i don't think i know the 19 year old's not registered the 23 year old could actually vote in the last election and, and she only voted down ticket local so i'm not even sure that she's registered now uh, i would guess that She's not, and nothing's going to happen with that group. Um, what I what I can sit and tell you is I work with some of these kids. I don't even think they have a clue what's going on on the planet, let alone in the in the the election. Um, they're too busy with other things. I don't think that they're. I don't think that they're taught to be citizens. I don't think any of us, well, actually, I think since they get rid of civics, that none of us have been taught. You know, the only thing we've ever been taught is as long as you vote, you're a good citizen. I think that's brain, right. that's been brainwashed into everybody's head, you know? Right. Um, and I see people now in certain states who want to make voting mandatory. Absolutely not. That, that would be an absolute, in my opinion, that is just, you know, I mean, you might as well make it make it a dictatorship because there are those of us who will not participate in this system no matter what, um, and that would be me. So um, I also see some things going on in, uh, I would say, like the, the 20s to 30s. These are the people who were clearly in Hillary Clinton's court, um, I, I just discovered the wonders of Bernie Sanders uh, because Hillary's not there. I'm, I'm guessing, um, but all of a sudden now we have a whole new cadre of Bernie believers out there who really do believe uh, that we're going to see single payer um, and we're going to see student debt forgiveness and we're going to see free education and he's going to transform our food supply. That's the latest. Uh, <laughs> 
that's the latest promise coming out of the Reverend Sanders' mouth. And, you know, I made a joke on Facebook the other night, when is his next canonization meeting? And, you know, it's, it's, um, it's crazy. Uh It's, it's, uh, I don't know. You know, I still, I have friends I worked with at Starbucks who are in their 30s now who, you know, post on my timeline, I still believe in Bernie. Well, you know, you go right ahead. I, I can't even understand how people, um, can even take any of that seriously. I guess maybe I'm in a, in a different place than a lot of people, but I still see people somehow, you know, with either the attitude that we ought to give it a shot because it's all we've got. And that's not true. We actually can do something differently. Should we choose to do so? Um, right. And I also see a lot of people who really do believe that when you look at, um, a Greta Thunberg or a Jane Fonda or a Lily Tomlin, I really do think people believe those are activists. And I find that right. so incredibly ridiculous on its face that I I can't even, I mean, they're all clearly not activists. They are attention seekers. And there's a ton of them out there. They're paid but, propagandists. Yeah, they're more than attention they seekers. They are paid and actively supported by a system that scripts every move they make and every word they say. That's it. Right, and, it, and it's detail. designed to protect the status quo. That's exactly what that's, that's all about. Yes. You mentioned, Deb, let's talk a little bit about, um, you brought up these, you you know, the system and people believing that it's, you know, the best we've got because this, you know, where I I brought up this whole, you know, um, based on, it's based on this Roman Republic model, which again is just a representative model for the moneyed interest. It's got nothing to do with you and me. (laughs) That's exactly right. did. And so, um, and, and, and this idea, I was speaking, I interviewed an attorney uh, who has represented a number of um, high-profile individuals who have, you know, fought the empire, you know, Hezbollah, Hamas, and others. And so um, he, was, he, he wound up getting targeted himself and forced into accepting a plea deal for a crime he didn't... That was never even defined, but, you know, the the whole thing was stacked against him. He went to prison, and still, um, when, you know, I brought up what Chris Hedges had said, you know, this, we are not talking about fixing a system because the system is working precisely as it was designed (laughs) to work. So there's nothing to fix here. We need right. to replace this system. And even this um, gentleman w- said, oh, but then you have anarchy and all this other stuff. And it's like, no, there are models at work around the globe today and ha- that have been in place for decades, hundreds of years in certain cases that have right. um, developed as autonomous models within um, a national territory. And, you know, France, for example, was the one, this was my first introduction to this, um, direct democracy. Well, what does that mean? It means you, the people, propose the laws that will govern your lives in, you know, as a community, 
You agree on them, and you are the ones who vote on them, not some supposed representative that is never going to put your interests ahead of theirs. <laughs> so That's exactly um, right. So, you know, there, uh, these were things that, you know, how much of this have you explored with people? Because, you know, there are, there are economic, you know, you're talking about, there are barter systems. Even Venezuela used to um, send oil to Nicaragua in exchange for beans. These are right. You can even do this on a national level. These are things that are within our control that we can do right now. So, you know, is this part of what you're talking about? And so how does something like, you know, the, the future vision factor into your work? You know, it's funny because we've been trying to reach out to people to find out, you know, we've been trying to say to people, look, at, just give us an idea of what you envision you know, at the end of the day, because, you know, I'm, I'm of the opinion that we, we are either going to force this to change and we are either going to, you know, be on top of it or we're not going to force it to change. But this, this system as it is right now is not sustainable. All right. It, it's going to crash and burn at some point and we're either going to make a change or we're going to be in the pile when it does collapse. And right. I, I'm of the belief that we need to drive this because if we are not in charge when it does collapse, it, it's going to be worse than it already is. All right? It's exactly. ten times worse. So I agree. Uh, you know, it, it's one or the other. I mean, self-determination at this point is the only answer for us. I, I really inf- I firmly believe that. I can promise you, if, if, a, if it were up to me at 66 years old, this is not what I want to be doing. I would like to be sitting somewhere just doing nothing with my retirement. Um, but that's not going to be the case. So I yeah. try to get people to talk to me about this stuff, and I can't get them to even, I can't, some of them can't even grasp what self-governance is. Um, right. I don't know any of them, how, it's scary, you know? It is, yes. That's, you know, and I, and I, I guess, you know, one of the things that, I've learned and also, you know, my conversations with you have had me thinking about were the, you know, challenge of um, messaging. One of the things I had done was uh, get Che Guevara's book on guerrilla warfare. And one of the topics he covers is what he called propaganda. And I, you know, when I read that about that, you know, this was almost a year ago that I first picked it up. I was just like, what do you like? What does that mean? I didn't really I, I could not contemplate how that factored into the work of someone who is a true revolutionary. Like, why would you need, you know, propaganda? Because I was thinking of it in terms of the way it's used today. And then it it dawned on me, you know, in thinking about my own experience in business school, where, you know, you take marketing, which is only business school speak for propaganda. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I mean, really. And then it, it, it hit me further that, you know, what Che Guevara was talking about is the messaging and imagery that is that is powerful enough to con- and um, focused enough to um, bring people's attention and intent along with 
the messaging, you know, so it's it's really I I love some of the imagery when I was looking at your Facebook your um, uh, web page and um, one you know this was something I wanted to explore with you further given your background sort of how you're seeing this factor and because we know it has been used and weaponized against us and it, you can't ignore the power of those images and the messaging, like with the French Revolution, for example, right? Um, right, so- yeah, you can't. And, and you know what? I fully admit to using it. I mean, I spent 35 years in advertising. I can tell you it can be used for good and it can be used for bad. Um, right. And, you know, all I'm trying to do is get people to understand that the way it has been used by corporations you know, particularly pharmaceutical companies, they are very powerful in that regard. Um, the way it has been used against you has what has led to your slavery. I'm trying to show you that there's another way. And, you know, we, we as advertisers in business, we get asked all the time to do stuff that's just not right. And, you know, I had a very hard time in my perfection for many years because I refused to do certain things. I was lucky enough to work for a company and I didn't jump around a lot. So I can tell you that, which is also unusual in the advertising business. I didn't jump around a lot. So they allowed me to refuse to do certain things, um, which is not the norm, I would have to say. And and I can promise you now that they've been bought by Merck, it's not the norm anymore for whatever entity they are now. Um, So, uh, I, it is it is important for me to convey to you what we believe, and that's why what you see on the website is what you see. Um, there's no question that I'm not going to lie to anyone and tell you that I can promise you what, what will happen out on the streets. I can only tell you that we absolutely have to do something about our condition that goes beyond participating in the system because all we're doing by participation is digging ourselves deeper and giving the criminals more power. We keep reelecting the perpetrators and the best thing we can do is stop participating and delegitimize the system. And people say to me, uh, well, you know, if you do that, you can ensure that Donald Trump's going to get back in. I hate to tell you this, I think they already know who's going to get back in. I think this is all part of the plan. This has been scripted from day one. You know, Donald Trump, Donald Trump took out Make America Great Again. He took that trademark out in 2012. Scripted. All of it. All the way through the impeachment. I don't believe any of this has been legitimate. No, of course not. Well, so, so as you approach your work, then... Deb, you know, uh, you know, I, as I was looking at the messaging and um, thinking about, you know, my conversations with you and where we are and what's happening with the election, um, you know, the pitchforks and become ungovernable. And that, that really strikes me as, you know, a key concept for people to grasp, as you pointed out, you know. Absolutely. Um, this you know, is, if we don't make them afraid at this point, if we don't strike fear into them, you know what? Nothing's going to happen here. And and again, I want to counter uh, some of the myths. Here's, here's some myths that's out there. Okay, let me let me just talk about a little bit of propaganda that's out there. The myth that Franklin Delano Roosevelt was anything but an elitist. 
is huge out there. He is, you know, the savior. He gave us social security. He did this. He did that. He was scared to death of the labor movement. He was terrified that capitalism was going away back then. And basically, he gave us table scraps. And we saved capitalism. If you look him up, you will see he's credited with saving capitalism. And if you look up his letters, you will see that he told his cronies that we had to give the people something. Or they would end capitalism as we know it. And, you know, there is no politician out there that has your best interest at heart. So we really, we really got what we got because we made him afraid. And unless we right. make these people afraid, they sit around making popcorn when they see, you know, the Women's March come to Washington with their pink hats on. You know, they, they sit around and make popcorn and laugh at us because, you know what, those are all scripted to pr- protect everything that's in place. Right. So we have to make them scared. We need to be out there. Um, you know, we're well, trying to get people to Washington in October of 2020. It's a test. It's a test. We want to see where we are here. You know, are we made of anything? Do we have anything in our tank right now? Uh, I don't know. We're out there trying to leaflet on the street. You know, we're, we're, we're doing everything we can. We're not taking money from anybody. We have no intention of doing any of that. Um, if this time, if it doesn't come from the people, I really truly believe we're doomed unless we do this. No, I mean, again, you point to great uh, intellectuals and prominent figures will say this is an existential threat. That, I mean, on a literal level, this is not figurative. And as Chris Hedges points out, you know, the whole system needs to go. And um, it really does, you know, one of the things... As, uh, you know, in terms of shifting the public mindset, um, and as you well know, is this uh, idea of repetition and frequency. And anyone who watches television knows, you know, you see the same commercials (laughs) over and over Every day. (laughs) And it's because that there, there is something truly meaningful to all right. of that repetition in terms of it permeating your subconscious. And right. um, in terms of strategies for the, you know, people who want to join and, you know, I think uh, the, on a practical level, people really do need to have their hands held. These are brand new concepts. Again, as you pointed right. out, we have been indoctrinated and aren't even aware of the alternatives. I myself, am, I, you know, I went to graduate school. I did a, you know, I went to, did all the things I was supposed to. I had no idea about any of this myself and right. I'm supposedly right. highly educated which really only means I'm highly indoctrinated I you know would you know paid to memorize what they were teaching us and so right. and you um, know what it was, it's even worse now for kids than it was for us back then I can't you imagine. know I, I look I, at kids now and yeah you know what they were on the National Honor Society because they could memorize it's, yep. it's amazing you know and that's what it is they teach the test they're, they're producing good little corporate soldiers is what they're really yes. trying to do here. They don't want people yes. to question anything. And no. that's, a, that's the thing. And I'm, I'm constantly, I know I'm constantly agitating. I know I am. And I do it for a reason. I do it because unless someone 
gets their dander up and starts questioning me, I, I have no way of reaching these people. You know, they they need to they need to understand. Yeah. I I do co- constantly show those images over and over again. I do try to get people to understand that, you know what, we're not supposed to be afraid of our government. Our government is supposed to be afraid of the people. That's the way it's supposed to be. That's not the way it's ever going to be in this system. That's that's the situation here. This government is done. It is, you know, there is nothing we can do to make what exists right here, right now, workable for the American people. Right. Right. And so for people who want to support your work, I think, you know, that's one of the messages I I would like them to take away from this is that, you know, um, even just for for starters, talking about these concepts openly and as though they're totally normal and natural (laughs) and they're, you know, be repetitious about it, Um, you know, again, using phrases, imagery, uh, hashtags, Means things yep. like that, you know, what, where you've shared them before. One of the things in my work, um, uh, I used to advise companies that were heavily dependent on social media for developing their businesses and individuals would create videos and then share them in their networks. And this was a, an incredibly important part of the work that they did. So we did a lot of research about how to do that effectively. And one of the things that we learned as a result of that research is that where you have a particular post, you need to, sh- and you have a meaningful community, say a few thousand followers or friends, um, you need to share that post several hundred times in order to ensure that the entire network sees it. And then the exactly. other part of that is that you want them to see it repeatedly, right? Because you want the messaging to stick, and that takes repetition. So, um, you know, for for people who are really very serious about this and, and doing something that truly does have impact, um, this this is one way to do it. It's just Deb has the images. Um, you've got the hashtags. You've got the content, the uh date for October, and just sharing these consistently day after day on different platforms in unexpected places. You want people to see this stuff because they can't unsee it. And then when it comes up somewhere else, they'll make an association and it'll start to take on that feeling of being normal and natural. Right. And, you know, it's funny because I work with some younger people. And they think that every time they do something, it has to look new. I go, what are you doing? Don't make anything new. <laughs> Keep sharing that damn thing. I don't care. if you. Sh- I just shared it a little while ago. I shared it again. Just keep sharing it. They need to see the same thing. That's how we got here, by seeing the same thing over and over and over. I said, don't look at this as propaganda. Look at this as unindoctrination. We're trying to break that indoctrination and you have to keep showing this stuff to get it to be recognized it's a long process so yes. yeah i totally agree with that and i honestly i wish i could sit here all day and just share stuff i would have no problem doing that so i rely yeah, on others to, to help us out with that yeah so for any you know again for anyone who wants to do what they can you can just as you have the time 
just keep that in mind that, you know, it's totally okay. And, and find little ways to make unique as you develop your own networks out there. Um, you know, another piece of information that uh, I, a nugget that I learned in the process of doing my previous work was that uh, it has been shown empirically that um, recognition is a much more powerful motivator than money. So if you want to encourage, you know, people in your network and grow your networks, um, find ways of acknowledging bits of research that people share um, that you write and comment on it, you know, name them, tag them, um, you know, these little things go a long way. And then you want to teach the people in your networks to do those things themselves and build their right. own networks at the same time. Right. And, and I've also tried to encourage people, you know what, send the link in your emails. If you have emails, if you have a couple of hundred people, maybe, you know, 50 people, it might be interesting. Use emails, too, to encourage people to go look at stuff. So it's, you know, it's across the board. You know, right. do I wish we had money to advertise. You know what? Honestly, honestly, if if it weren't up to me, I would never. I, I wouldn't advertise on Facebook. I would like to have money to print more flyers, and I think sharing is is much more, um, you know, much more effective powerful. to get to yeah. get yeah, much more powerful to build network. You can build networks outside your own network that way, and and that's really what it is. It's almost like a spider web effect. That's what we're really trying to achieve. Um, and it's a right. long road. Don't make, make no mistake about this. You know, the other thing that worries me about the people is they probably think if they go to a climate rally once a year, that means something. You know what? It, it's got to be the one. The other thing that Chris Hedges stresses is it's got to be constant. The on the streets right. has to be constant. It can't be every once in a while. It's got to be once it starts, it, it can't stop. You know, it's got to be crippling. Right. Right. Like it's, it's got to be, and you know what? There's nothing wrong with local either. Where, wherever you can, whatever you have to do, um, you know, I love to see. I don't know how many people I can expect in in Washington. I mean, the more I share stuff, the better it gets. We we put together a little bit of, uh, a, you know, I have an email. By the way, if anybody wants to just talk to me or send me information or whatever, become dot ungovernable at protonmail dot com. We're trying to put together a ride share for people to get down there. We've already had some people sign on for that. So I'm hoping over the next several months that we can really make some headway. Um, we've been at this for a while. We do have a live stream every Sunday night that talks about ungovernables. And uh, we do have a website at becomeungovernable.info. And that's got the whole, the whole three days down in Washington laid out. We're going without permits. No permits. So... Uh, right. Let's see what happens. The system we we need to establish and create our own system. This is you know again, it's about regaining your um, sovereignty, your personal sovereignty, and this is you know we're seeing <clears throat> this eroded from every single possible angle. Um, you know, not the least of which is this looming kangaroo court of a proceeding against Julian Assange. And um, I don't know if you're aware, Deb, but there's apparently, I just learned about uh, Jason Schulte in New York, who's on um, trial right now with being used as the test case for uh, the Julian Assange um, 
extradition case. And yeah, actually, uh, we talked about that last night on the stream. We added him to the uh, whistleblowers list last night. There's another one, this Jeremy Hammond that I just mentioned to you as well. Right. He was actually supposed to be out of prison in 2019, and they're holding him over and trying to hold him for the Assange uh, situation. I, I just I'm looking at it right in my screen right now. I'll post it on my timeline once I get off. Um, but you know, it's now you know you're starting to see that that web effect of of what they've done, and they're keeping it quiet. It's not being covered in the mainstream media. It's being sent to me actually by email from people. That's how I discovered uh, uh, Jason last night, Jason Schulte. So, you know, it's and and the the, the Glenn Greenwald thing is another one. You know, it's it's across the board. They're trying to shut down anybody that exposes anything about any government. That's the goal here on a global basis. Oh, so. no, clearly. Um, you know, and now we are seeing Germany and other countries, um, you know, they're, uh, or excuse me, um, Israel is uh, petitioning the U.N., to prohibit criticism of Israel. I mean, these are these are uh, practices that are you know being deployed a- across the globe. This is not. I'm. Um, th- they're really uh, one of the things I've been sharing recently that I um, find incredibly informative is that nineteen. I think it's April nineteen sixty one speech by. John F. Kennedy, where he talks about a monolithic and global conspiracy. And, you know, this is a guy that I think most, you know, people who consider themselves progressive would consider credible. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I I do. You know, and the funny thing is about John Kennedy, I think he evolved in his role. I, I think he went in a very different person than what he ended up being in the presidency. I think he learned a lot. And I, I think he was probably the last, you know, leader that learned anything in his position, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, but, yeah, I, I just, you know, there are things that yes. I read and things that I hear Kennedy say that, you know, just like makes my ears burn. Um, how anybody can believe that that was Lee Harvey Oswald again is another amazing thing to me but um yeah it is it is a great speech actually uh and a lot of people will tell you that you know a lot of people like to say he didn't really say that but actually he did so just so everybody knows they like to downplay that um yeah you can get it find it on youtube it's you can hear the whole speech um absolutely i i I downloaded it it. i have the whole thing so I, i make sure that i do stuff like that all the time so, Why do, um, um, I wanted to mention a few other things, you know, um, for I think for a lot of people as they try and digest these concepts of sovereignty and direct democracy and self-governance, <laughs> um, it's helpful to think of practical uh, terms in which those would be practiced. And um, we mentioned the uh, ballot initiatives and bartering. You know, these are things... These are things that can you can start doing all by yourselves right now among your friends and family or, you know, th- just practice at it. Find, you know, yeah, see what you think absolutely. things are worth and 
get your mind comfortable with those concepts. Um, and right. there's no risk. It's not like you, you know, you have anything to lose um, by by trying it out. And then, you know, uh, then you can start expanding into your communities. I know this is probably something that is more applicable to, applicable to people who live um, in the more central locations of the U.S., where their communities are smaller and they're they're all they're still more tightly knit than in the more urban ones, where you can start. You know, this, these processes of self-governance where it's like, okay, what laws do, do we want to apply to us? And, right. you know, just even start discussing what those would look like. You know, Russia um, recently just got rid of the bulk of their laws because they were outdated. They didn't, you know, they weren't appropriate or whatever. You know, you can, you know, throw that shit out if you don't like it. You can't. <laughs> And, and then Russia, guess what? Russia is still standing today, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, people think that as soon as you start doing anything like this, the whole country is going to collapse into a, into a, I don't know what, a pile of gelatin. You know what? Right. The country is as good as the people in it. If the government's as good as the people in it, if we're going to do anything that's, you know, going to be about us, we have to do it. And, you know, what you were talking about, the bartering thing, you know what? There's something that you see even in downtown Boston, where they have community gardens, I see people sharing food all the time there. You know, some yeah. people grow zucchini and some people trade zucchini for something else. They do it all the time down there. It happens all the time. And it's a, it seems like something that's trite and small, but that's where it begins, is when you start, you know, working back and forth with people, you know. And, and, and outside and that system, outside. Exactly. The slave system. You decide exactly. what something's worth to you, and you negotiate with your partner. Someone else doesn't decide that for you. That's correct. You are. You have direct access to all your decision making. None of this nonsense that these people represent us. They represent. They represent not one iota of our interest ever. No. You know. And no. you can. You can. When I try to challenge people with that. I say to them, okay, then you tell me what they have done to improve your life in the last 25 years. Right. One thing. Name one thing. I, I even asked them, you know what they answered me with? Obamacare. I go, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> and I just look I at them know. and I say, okay, well, let's talk about that then. <laughs> you know, it's like... I feel like people are, like, grasping at stuff just to not take that plunge. That's what I think. Right. I think they're afraid. You know, I think right. that's a scary concept for people to determining their, determine their own fate, you know? Yes. I, I think I absolutely I can see that myself. You know, one of the, the other thing, you know, that occurred to me is, like, so people are like, well, what do we use for money, blah, blah, blah. So we've got the bartering thing. You know, you, you can create your own laws. There are autonomous communities, like in Spain, there's a, an autonomous community with its own president called Galicia that's part of Spain, but they are right. autonomous. We can right. do that, too. <laughs> yes, we can. There's no reason we can. why we can't do that. You know, it is. It doesn't have to be one big nation. You know, it doesn't have to be one big boss at the top. It doesn't no. have to be that, you know. You know, I know we're bigger than a lot of other countries and we're more diverse. And, and you know what? That's probably not a curse. 
that's probably kind of a good thing. You know, it's, you know, again, I honestly look forward to this thing taking hold because I do not look forward to what's coming for us down the pipeline. You know, it's, no. I, I hear people every day, oh, my God, they're spraying there, you know, forced vaccinations, you know, blah, blah, blah. Well, how do you expect any of this to not happen unless we right. stand up? It, it just it doesn't matter it. what yes. you want. It only matters what you do. So, yes. You know? Yes. Two other concepts I wanted to just introduce um, as for people to start, you know, contemplating are, you know, the, two other the things I was thinking to myself, okay, well, you need your own laws. We There's also these citizen tribunals. You know, this is a concept that I would love to see people do more of, and it, and it is very slowly starting to make its way into the public um, conscience, but, you know, where our justice systems are not holding these people accountable, we can, as individuals, uh, form a community, hold a citizen tribunal, present evidence, hear from witnesses, and produce um, convictions that are we could lobby for being recognized as legitimate by other nations. And, in fact, this has already been done by Kevin Annette with respect to convictions against um, the Crown of England and some Canadian officials for crimes against children. And right. uh, Spain, is my understanding that Spain has said that they would recognize those warrants. And we have every right and, and I would say obligation to carry out said tribunals and arrest and imprison these people in power who are immediate and ongoing threats to the world. They represent an immediate lethal threat to millions of people right now. That is not yep. going to go away until we stop them. I agree. So, um, you I know, totally agree with that. I, I would really love for people to start thinking in those terms, you know, that we, we, there, we don't need anybody's permission to protect ourselves from these people. And, Correct. you know, where they're, representing, where they're representing us, you know, we have a duty to stop them. I agree. I agree. And, and you know what? Why not? You know what? Why not? While we're in the middle of all of this, why not? You know, again, it's, it would be... You know what, I, I don't even want to say that it would be practice, but it's almost like getting in the mindset. You know, it's almost like you have to work people into that mindset. And you do. Why not? You know, let's, you know what, let's, I'm going to explore that with my own group. And, and let's see where we come up with that. So, you know, the, um, Kevin Annette has done like a whole, he wrote a book, he spells out how to conduct them. Um, and then he also has a process for deputizing sheriffs. And I have to right. believe there are at least a handful of American men out there who have the balls to, you know, arrest one of these motherfuckers. Right. You know? Right. I agree. <laughs> I agree. So, there has got to be. There has got to be somewhere. Someone really wants to do that. <laughs> and, I, and, you know, 
I just, you know, I, I agree. I totally think that people think this stuff is not within their reach, but I really believe it is. I think that it's a mindset that has to be developed. And, yeah, again, we we need people who will, maybe this is something we talk about in our streams. I, I don't understand. You know, I think that's probably a very good topic. And we can, maybe we can generate some more interest and get more people to the streams and start talking a little more about Washington and start talking about having some of that present in Washington. Um, oh, wow. That would be amazing, wouldn't it? It would. Yep. Oh, yep. wow. How powerful would that be? That would be that awesome. would be great. If there's anything I can do to help, please let me know. One okay. other concept I, I wanted to introduce was this, you know, then there's the practical aspect of, okay, that's all good and well. We can conduct our lives on a, you know, a micro community basis. But then what about, you know, the bigger projects? What do you do when you need something, you know, more mass produced? Right. Um, and the, there, how do you fund that without the bank? And, and the, this has been done and is done all over the world. Most people don't know this. I just learned it, that Islamic law prohibits usury. They prohibit the charging of interest on loans. Mm. And that's the Rothschild concept, yes. And, um, you know, this is, you, there are things called community banks. I know you've heard of them. Cooperative banks also are the same kind yep. of things um, where the depositors are the ones who then take those deposits and decide who, how to lend them out as a community. Right. And they don't lend out more than they've got. That's the other thing about Rothschild banking is the fractional reserves, is that they right. lend out many times more money than they have to cover the loans. At a community bank, you maintain all of that control, and you guys decide as a community what projects you think are worth funding and, and are you know organized in such a way to minimize risk. And right. that's the way it should right. work. It can be done. It is done. It's it's practiced all over the world. And these are solutions that are immediately available to us. We can start doing them on small scales. Again, you know, a community fund to help, you know, someone in the community get a little business up off the ground, you know? Right. There, right. And, and again, you know what? All of our problems begin when all of these clowns start speculating with our money. That's yes. exactly what they do with it. They take it, they take our money like it's their money. Yes. And then they treat right. us like it's not even our money, even though we've put it in the bank. You know, I, I let me tell you, I, I had a, an experience with a friend who went to put money in her child's bank account, $150. They told her they couldn't take it because it could be money laundering. She had to go get a check. And they took the check. Wow. She literally had to go get a bank check. That's one out of, of her bank they're trying and to bring it to her them. daughter's bank. They wouldn't take wow. $150 in cash. Wow. That's scary. And then you, have, and you know what? This wasn't even a big bank. It's not like, it, uh, you know, it was like a, right. a local, you know, a, 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 like a, you know, a, like a stone cooperative kind of bank. It wasn't even a, a huge bank. She was going from right. a big bag to a small bag, 
150 bucks, that's all. Not like it was a thousand dollars or more. And then she had to go back and, you know, pay five bucks to get a, a bank check so she could bring a bank check and put it in. You know, I have spent my 30 year career working in Wall Street finance, and it is truly nothing but state sanctioned gambling. Yep. With other people's money. Right. Exactly. Money. It is um, amazing. I, I, I mean, you know, do you know that it's illegal to have more than $10,000 in cash on your person in this country? Yeah. It's no. illegal to have more than $10,000. Say you have a safe in your closet. You can't have more than $10,000 in the in that safe. If they find out, Unless you can you're go to jail for that. Unless you're a billionaire, so, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, if you're an average person who saved money, and you want to put it in the in your safe in your closet in cash, and you get caught with more than ten thousand dollars, then you can be put in prison for that. Incredible, you know, it is incredible. It's all these little things that they slip in that nobody really knows about, you know, and right. that that's the that's the thing. All the little things they add on to bills that are already going through. All these things sneak through. And again, that's why we need to be in charge of our own fate. Right, right. You know, well, it's, you know, this whole uh, court proceeding with Julian Assange is just, I mean, um, very painful evidence of how uh, precarious our situation really is, particularly when you have, you know, the UN rapporteur on uh, torture telling the public that uh, he was deliberately deceived about what was going on with Julian Assange and the fact that he was never actually charged with a crime. And therefore, there was no basis upon which to pursue him in the first place, much less, you know, that the sentence that he was supposed serving um, for the non-violation was uh, over months ago, right. and this right. judge held a hearing all by herself. She said nobody, neither of the the prosecutor nor the defense called the hearing on his um, on his sentence, but she called it herself and then denied his release. Right, and and so there was no need for even to be on bail because he didn't do anything. Right, he wasn't charged with anything. No. It's all ridiculous. But you know what? Again. The power of of repetition. How many people, yes. you know, do you know that think he's a rapist? How many people have said that to you? I, I've had people say that to me, and I just look at them and I say, I can't believe you're even saying that. Because that's yes. just crazy, you know? And, and, and they again, they, have, they can't sign anything. They can't show anything. It's everything that's been said to them. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. My life gets colder My eyes goes thin as I get older Pieces yeah. and pieces Thank you so much, Deb. It's been great having you on. We'll definitely do it again. Have a great afternoon. Yelling on the right I'm sitting in the middle trying to